0: Thank you
1: Welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature. I am your host, Andrew. Uh, I am generally not your host, but uh, today we are going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I have uh, officially fired both Kit and Mike from the podcast. They are no longer welcome. Uh, They can try to start their own show, but I can't imagine it would be a success at all without me. Um, And I have replaced the both of them with one single person. So that, I think, tells the audience how much... How much value they actually held? One one kit and one mic equals one Lee catch. Um, today we're going to be talking about a single movie. Uh, this is not a triple feature. This is a single feature. So we'll just call <coughs> slow motion single feature. Um, we are going to talk about 2012's Cloud Atlas, which was directed by the Wachowskis. And Tom, is it Tyker or Tw- Twiker?
0: Tw- Ty- Let's look it up. Okay.
1: <laughs> get it right for Tom. T- Tyker. Ty- Ty- yeah, Jesus. So, some- <laughs> so, so so somewhere in between. Um, yeah. And he is, I think, most famous for directing Run, Lola, Run prior to this, right? Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't see that. No, yeah. Oh, boy. That's cool. All right, cool. Um, you've never seen Run Lola Run?
0: No, I didn't see that he directed it,
1: but yes, I've seen L- Run Lola Run. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, cool. That's a great movie. Um, so we, I think we we originally started talking about this movie like years ago. I think does that sound correct? I feel like it was years ago. Oh yeah, because yeah, because I have famously tried to watch this movie at least three times and have, yeah. and I have never, <laughs> I have never been able to finish it. And,
0: and did you finish it this time? I, I
1: did finish it. And I think, no. I, and I, and we can get into it, but I, I think I have pinpointed pinpoint pinpointed, uh, pinpointed uh-huh. why I have never been able to finish it. Yeah. Um. But uh. yeah, yeah. I've started this several times and I have never been able to get, into it but I was actually surprised I think I have seen like half of this movie so I think I worked <coughs> my I think my I worked my way up like I watched the first 30 minutes then forgot about it for a year and came back and watched the first hour and then forgot also this movie is very long um it is three hours mm-hmm. yeah. and um, yeah so I think the idea for this episode came about when I I think we were talking and you wanted to talk about it. And I wanted somebody mm-hmm. to explain the movie to me. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so there's one.
0: That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think I think I got I think I get the gist. But it's it's uh, it's it's one of it's one of two things has happened, um, and it really could be either one, and that is either I'm not smart enough for this movie. Or this movie thinks it's smarter than it actually is. Um uh, so mm-hmm. it 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 could be one there are, there are certainly movies out there <coughs> that are smarter than me. Uh a lot of movies are smarter than me. And, like
0: what's another one?
1: Um maybe like uh like a Shane like a Shane Caruth movie, you know? Like oh, yeah. like maybe Primer. Uh what's his second sure. what's what's his second movie? You know the one with the pig farmer or whatever?
0: Up upstream something. Upstream
1: color, yeah, yeah. The, like yeah. Like I liked it, but I you know, who knows what that movie's about. Yeah. I'm I'd I'd be amazed if Shane even knew. Um So, anyway, here we are. Uh why don't we just start off with You've seen this before, right?
0: This is my second time. I also want to offer one correction. Okay. You say that, whereas this is not a triple feature, it's a single feature. This is actually a, this is a, this is a sextet feature. There are six movies in this. (laughs) That's true. And, uh, so we've actually doubled the value of this podcast, uh, while also lowering our overhead by, you know, just getting rid of to uh two of our presenters mm-hmm. and uh I think this is a great model for the podcast going forward if we just kind of pick movies that like try and put several movies into it at once and then we just talk
1: about it. I think that's a great idea. Um there are a lot of movies out there especially with the way people make movies these days um sure. where you know you've got uh many disparate pieces that uh may or may not come together. Yeah, I think this is great. I think if we take this to investors they're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
0: the uh yeah, the uh you know, I want let, let's start I I want to start by saying like what I what I even like about movies and why I go to movies, why I watch them cuz I think it is slightly different from uh from Kit and Mike. Uh or, you know, related but but I guess I I bring to, to uh to movies is that I generally do want to be uh, confused, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's something that bypasses my analytic brain to some sort of uh, emotional experience. You know, and I, I it's not, I'm not saying that to exclude any movie. So you go to a Marvel movie or whatever, you can have that experience. You can absolutely have your your analytic brain kind of blasted. And you just walk away with this, like, feeling. Uh, some movies, it's hard to do that. And I felt that Cloud Atlas... Uh, so, you know, my favorite movie makers are, like, slightly headier, brainier. I don't even want to use brainier. But, you know, like, in their own kind of like, heads, Like give us, give us some examples. Like, absolutely. Because Lynch is my favorite. David Lynch is my favorite. Uh, uh, Cronenberg is, is absolutely... Uh, one of my favorites, and my favorite movie is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's not because I particularly like slasher movies, but because that was an example of a movie that took uh, some some real uh, techniques that are uh, endemic only to movies, that can only be done in a movie, and exploited them to their fullest extent in order to, for me at least, I had a real emotional reaction to the kind of techniques that Toby Hooper used, uh, that really just kind of cut through any kind of thesis or, or statement or, or any kind of cohesive plan that he had for that movie. Uh, it just didn't, didn't matter the way my experience of watching it was so emotional and so powerful that that's like what I want whenever I sit down to watch a movie. I mean, I have a lot of reasons to watch movies. Uh, Sometimes they're like, you know, bad, uh, so bad. It's good kind of stuff. That's like fun. There's plenty of reasons, but for me, I think primarily I go to, to do uh, what David Lynch's kind of uh, idea for movies is, which is kind of to, to project a dream onto a screen. And a lot of people experience it simultaneously and kind of, all take part in this dream space and i think that's that's why i like to go to movies and i think cloud atlas is like this interesting example of uh i'll say an attempt at that Hmm. Um,
1: it's like it's like removing the the obvious movie making uh i don't know it's like it's like i guess i'm thinking about uh texas chainsaw massacre like it like you, you know you're talking about like uh the the sort of plans behind that movie. Now do you mean like and you're- his
0: attempt to tell a story, you know? I don't I don't even really care what the story is. I want the experience okay. uh that can only be done through that medium. So, you know, if it's slightly more I tend to like slightly more abstract movies for that reason, not super plot heavy. Uh <clears throat> what's his name? Um uh the guy who made uh, the movie with Mick Jagger. Um, the uh, performance what's that movie uh nick uh, uh yeah. i like I, I tend to like slightly more abstract i guess movies uh you, nicholas rogue or roig or however oh yeah you say it. Uh, yeah yeah that kind of stuff where that's like kind of maybe thinner plots but but a certain like uh, emotional through line or something that just makes sense and keeps you hooked and keeps you thinking about you know your own experience and uh kind of hits on hits on that level i'm not saying that i like don't don't watch other movies
1: it's just i think that's my primary kind of you drive. like it you like it raw you're chasing
0: <laughs> yeah, i do like it raw you're <laughs> you're how did you know yeah
1: you're you're chasing pure cinema oh i, I wouldn't put it that you way you want the uncut stuff you want the good stuff You want, uh, but like 2001, you love 2001, don't you? And I feel like that's, 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 is that not like one of the examples of like, I don't know. There's like that movie is so, it is very technical, but it's also very, very swept up in its emotional through line.
0: Sure. Well, and, and I think that, uh, that Clark and Kubrick had like a pretty strong idea of what the story was and what they wanted to say. Uh, you know, it's not nonsense. It's not random. It's not like cut together, abstract. Okay. Like it's a pretty like, so a little di- but, a little but, but I guess, So you think, but you, what, what, you, you th- well, what I'm saying is that despite that, uh, that they, in their best attempts to tell this kind of weird story, what comes out is this very like emotional experience and whether they intended that or not, uh, is not really, uh, point. No. And that's actually relevant to this movie, I think, because I think this movie has an extremely strong message uh intended by the um filmmakers and in a way that gets uh that gets in their in their way a few times I think uh because uh this is not too far from uh and forgive me but there's gonna be a lot of just like what's his names with me because my memory that's with this, with like names and stuff is not so great. But the, uh, it's like a, Christ, it's like a Christian film kind of where it's like you, you, you start, you start the movie for a Christian film and you're like, all right, I, you kind of know where it's going. You kind of know that this, the goal of this is to proselytize, which I'm actually not saying about Cloud Atlas. I don't think it's proselytizing. I think more what I'm getting at is like, I think they had a really specific idea about, uh, about reincarnation, about the the, the, uh the philosophy of the soul and that they may be stuck to that on a little too much of a surface level, uh, even in their attempts to make this like really epic movie that, uh, uh I, f- I, that, uh, that I, th- I think they thought was expounding on this idea, but I, I don't totally think it did.
1: I will, I will just jump in and, and say that I found the reincarnation aspect confusing at times because i felt like and some of this is just is just like it's just the way the, the 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 edit functions i can't tell who is connected to who because it feels like there are times when like like the tom hanks character he's got all these other tom hankses and some of them feel like they're directly connected to the The post-apocalyptic Tom Hanks story, which is like the ultimate ending of the movie, I think. Um, Sure. But I don't, I don't know. There are other characters that seem, it's just like, oh, we need a version of Tom Hanks in this era. So he's going to play a hotel clerk. So I don't know. I felt like, I felt like. And that's another thing with 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 so many stories going on because there's what six? what six yeah there's so there's six timelines right there's six timelines going on, and at any given time, I was able to I was able to track all of them. So that's that's a point for them, but I wasn't able to track their connection to one another the whole time even thematically i was i found myself struggling i found myself struggling specifically with jim broadbent's uh story and how i don't i don't understand i don't understand how that connected to the wider and it felt tonally very different to me it felt like uh who's the 24 the 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 guy who does the uh all the movies with Steve Coogan, Winterbottom, Michael, was it Michael Winterbottom? Yeah. Okay. That's what it felt and like the last to me. name, yeah. Yeah, it sure. felt, it felt like one of his movies. Um, and then, what else? And then, and then, uh, you know, so, and then also, even even the stories that did connect with each other, I'm just going to kind of go off and just kind of ramble, but I kind of felt like, like,
0: Oh good. That's exactly what the movie does. So. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> so does. Well, it does. Uh, a lot of continuity.
1: It does. Um, but it just, it, 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 Oops, it felt like to me that you know even the stories that connected to each other, they weren't always equally compelling. And I think that, like for instance, the the one in the seventies with uh, Halle Berry and and Keith David, sure, um, like that felt like kind of like a like a totally fine middling kind of. 80s thriller or something like that. Um, like a political yeah. thriller. And then and then, you know, obviously the the future uh like Korea timeline with uh Jim Sturgis and I don't I I don't know what that mm-hmm. actress's name is, but she's great. Um that felt obviously like a, you know, a, a I don't know, like kind of like a cyberpunk sort of thing. And then you had you know the post apocalyptic story and then you have i don't know it was just that's the other thing is that i think these stories maybe and maybe that's just what i'm bringing in maybe i'm bringing too much like genre baggage but it felt yeah. like i don't know like the 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 connective tissue i guess was so I mean, it's purely thematic. I think I don't think I I, I, I like I don't think these movies feel like one movie if it isn't for the one, which maybe that's a maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a positive. Maybe the idea right. is that you're not supposed to get hung up on what each in you know a bunch of different you know you're not supposed to be looking for how these movies connect. Maybe you're just supposed to feel how they connect in one very specific way.
0: I think you're correct about that, absolutely. Uh, okay. Let me let, let me take like one one kind of bigger step back, which is like what do you think the theme is? So if there's if this movie is about uh, or if the movie is trying to connect these stories on a purely th- thematic level, like what is that theme?
1: So I had a very uh, I had a, a I had a struggle with this and but I feel sure. like it's about A, a sort of greater hum like hu, like a, a sort of individual's responsibility to the the bigger picture to and and sort of how you know decisions good and bad uh reverberate you know throughout mm-hmm. in, a, in a temporal sense um and so you know I kind of felt I felt like, seeing the sort of direction of the entire human race as dictated by, um, you know, I don't know, morally good and bad decision-making. hmm hmm What do you think? So it's
0: kind of like morale, mora- morality is kind of maybe a central word, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the, the impacts of our actions, you know, what makes up a life, uh, kind of big picture, stuff like that. Uh, I could say that I have no idea what the theme is. It is because I think it is extremely vague on purpose. Uh, not not even on purpose, actually. I think it's extremely vague because they. I did come into this saying this is like a Christian film where you feel like you know where it's going and that they had some sort of maybe ulterior motive for making the movie, and I don't. And maybe a Christian film isn't as good as a as a corollary for that. But what I mean by that is, I what I feel like this movie exists for is to make statements, to make a statement about a certain kind of movie that doesn't exist anymore, which is like the David Lean epic and huh. the Wachowskis and Tom, uh, wanted to make one of those. And I think that they took this novel, which I've never read, but I did like skim through it today oh. that has, uh, you know, a, that uh, the, the author was very involved in the writing of the script too, Interesting. But just kind of skimming through it. And then watching some behind the scenes stuff, he talks about how I wrote these six short stories and it took me 20 minutes of slapping things together to make it a novel. Like I just basically sat down that day and I was reading about uh, the Polynesian Islands and I was like, that would be interesting to put a character there. And he wrote a short story and I'm not, this is, that's a totally normal way to write something. But I think at the end of the day, he found the vaguest possible through line. To link these stories together, which is just sort of a vague sort of like humanity is connected through like if you if uh, that that you see yourself in the other and that your actions have consequences. And to me, that just kind of ends up being this just like vague mumbo jumbo of kind of a light philosophy that is there to justify these six disparate stories being tied together. And I get that uh, uh, perception just by hearing the author talk about it. And I I maybe I'm coming off judgmental because and I really don't mean to that like he was lazy. I just think he wanted to put this together in this way. And uh, that's, you know, he just kind of came up with like a a pretty general theme to tie these stories together. And uh, he came out with a book he was happy with. It was extremely successful. I'm very glad for him when it comes to the movie, though. I think that similarly, how the vague theme of humanity and human connection was used to tie together these stories, the Wachowskis and uh, their uh, associate came up with like
1: the <laughs> Is because you be- can't remember his name?
0: <laughs> it's because I cannot remember his name. Okay. Uh, he did film half of the damn movie. And yeah. He did direct most of it. So I should remember his name. Uh, we'll call him Tom because I can't remember his last it's name. It's Tykwer But Tychwer. Yeah. Uh, so Tychwer and the Wachowskis <laughs> wanted, I think they got together and they had the resources and they wanted to just make an epic film and they found the most like, uh, basically like uh, more, most platformy, loosest story they could find that was in popular culture. And they're like, we'll just film this because we want to make this kind of thing and this will help us do that. And I don't think that they read the book and had a genuine connection with it at all. I think they were like <laughs> it would be fun and really challenging to set up three units, three direct three directors have all these actors do all this complicated film stuff. Interesting. And we can we can loosely justify it with this bestseller that doesn't really like say a whole lot but has a lot of opportunities for us to explore our creativity. And uh, you know, if you want to say it in a slightly more cynical way, I think that they were just kind of looking for an excuse to uh, to do some pretty like self satisfied creative exercises. Huh. But not not really pull together any kind of message or really had much to say about that. I thought was all that interesting personally. Uh, I think this was just kind of like it would be fun to make all this different stuff, which is a perfectly. Uh, acceptable reason to go make a movie i do think it's odd that it's like that this movie attracted all of these actors attracted 150 million dollars or whatever and uh that they did it on this huge scale i'm very like happy for them it is but
1: wild it is wild because this is a yeah it's an it's 150 million dollar uh you know globe in time-spanning Epic. Right. And I mean, I understand the book was popu- was popular, but I don't know who the fuck they thought this movie was for. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I'm not like happy that someone can, you know, s- squeeze one past uh, all the MBAs running Hollywood, but it's just like, I- I'm watching it and I'm like, well, no fucking shit. This movie didn't do very well. Like, and I do remember, its production a little bit i feel like it was very shrouded in mystery nobody you know i understand cloudless cloud atlas was a popular book i had no idea what the fuck it was and i know a lot no, neither. nobody in my peripheral uh vision knew what the book was about and it's kind of a vague title cloud atlas i don't know it sounds kind of science fictiony the wachowskis do science fictiony they made the matrix yeah. but i feel like this is one of those things where it's like i think you're right they grabbed a, a hot property that didn't have necessarily like a, a, a lot to say and decided to you know use that as a platform for their own you know vision which is again to uh, to, to to your point a, a perfectly reasonable reason to want to make something um and then i think that they used whatever their clout was at that point. I mean, 2012, that's what, eight years after the Matrix. Uh, I don't know if this was, this would be before or after. This would be before Jupiter Ascending, I think.
0: Yeah, somehow they got, (laughs) they used this to make Jupiter Ascending uh, amazingly. Yeah, which, that's
1: wild. So they hadn't done much, I think. They had done the Matrix, then they had done Speed Racer, which was... I don't know how well it did. I don't think it did well with critics, but I think it was a, 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 a visual, um, achievement, uh, at the time, at least. And then they come and they do this. And I think maybe they just cash in all their chips. And the, the thing is, is the cast is really pretty impressive. I mean, Tom Hanks, most of all. Um, but you got Tom Hanks, who's a big star, you know, now and forever. Um, but then the rest, of the, the rest of the cast is notable, for sure. But, yeah. like, Hugh Grant wasn't really, like, a thing at this point. Like, I'd say Hugh Grant is more of a star now than he was in 2012. Um, Halle Berry, I think she had, you know, kind of... I don't want to say aged out. That's not nice. But I feel like she she just wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. You know what I mean? Like, she was... I, I don't feel like her... So, I don't know. I don't know if this is them using their clout or them getting all these people on board because at that point they're the Wachowskis and that's like a huge deal still. Um, So, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like how, how people saw this as a, like a marketable idea, whether it be by the, you know, people not realizing the star system, no matter, no longer matters or not realizing that nobody cares about this book Uh, or at least not enough people to make it a hit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And it's even even beyond the book, you know, maybe not being, like, popular for movie-going audiences. It's also Mm -hmm. just, like, it's... You know, you read books very differently than you watch movies, right? And Mm -hmm. a story like this that they cram into three hours, you know, I don't know how long the book is, but I just... I feel like it's it's really hard to ingest. Um one of the notes I had was that it it constantly feels like it's either beginning or ending the entire movie. Sure. There's there's sure. there's very few point and then and then the the anytime there's a reprieve from that feeling where the editing is just like kind of dialed up and the music is really going and you know we're cutting even faster between different stories and there's, there's, um, you know, there's narration overlay from the last story bleeding into the next story. And the story beyond that is bleeding into the story you're watching currently. There's this sort of like melding of all these stories, um, that happens throughout the movie, but I feel like in specific points, it becomes even more kind of a, a blended sort of thing in order to like get your heart rate up. Um, but it becomes exhausting, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: then let me ask you this. You say it always feels like it's starting and ending. It's like, is there even a story? <laughs> is, is there like, you know, you know, a story doesn't need the three act structure or whatever, which obviously this movie really believes that a movie doesn't need a three act structure. Right. And they really test that theory. But like, is what we saw even qualify as a like as a story <laughs> or, or is it, or is it like, uh, well with, cause we're going to put six movies in it, you know, get out of your mind, you know, right. get out of your mind that this is going to be your standard movie. Cause right at the beginning, Cavendish is sitting there and uh, I'll get to the voiceovers in a minute. Cause my God, but, uh, in voiceover Cavendish is opening the movie and he, and to you, he essentially says at a certain point, like. Yeah, I know flashbacks and flash forwards are cliché, but suspend your disbelief <laughs> for me for a second and you'll see there's a method to my madness. And in the and Cavendish is talking about the movie in my opinion at that point where he's just like trying to condition the audience to not expect uh your standard story. And it just comes off as like uh uh just let us have this, please. <laughs> like uh it comes off as like yeah, this is going to be like the most masturbatory movie you've maybe ever seen. Uh, but just let us have this one, please. <laughs> we, we, we got Tom Hanks. We put him in <laughs> front of right. you in like crazy makeup and he's doing a crazy accent. Can you just let us have yeah. this movie, it's, please? It's Tom like Hanks, like how you, the whole thing comes off.
1: <laughs> Tom Hanks, like you've never seen him before in time six.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the, it's, it, the, the, I just wanted to to defend one thing that I said, which is like I don't want to come – I really don't want to come off as too cynical or like too dismissive of this movie um, that like I'm making all these like suppositions that they secretly have these like desires to just make this big epic movie and they sort of cynically just uh, found some property to prop up that whole idea. I I don't really mean that, but I I just mean when you actually watch the movie, there's such a like cold – detachment from what's going on that there's there's just zero personality throughout this entire movie. There's no, uh, chances being taken. There's no, uh, interesting shots. I, there's, there's a couple that are cool, but like to me, the, I, I I feel like the Wachowskis what they love out of movies is the technical aspect of it. And while, and I, and I think the movies like the matrix and speed racer are, you know, Speed Racer is an extremely technical movie. It's like extremely effects heavy. No one else had made stuff look like that before. Same with the Matrix. Yeah. And uh, Speed Racer was a huge success because they reined in that story to be about the most simple archetype story, single character driven thing that you could possibly put on screen. Right. And then they just like explode it with all this creativity around this very simple idea. But here they're like, okay, let's do that. Multiply it by six, and uh, you know, this our, our creative potential is, is endlessly uh scalable, so we'll just be able to take all that that energy and all of that uh, those cool visuals that we did in Speed Racer, and we'll just be able to do that times six, and people will love it. But, and but I they, think that was just like but they don't very hubristic,
1: that's the th- but they don't is the thing, they're they end
0: up totally not. I you're, agree, you're
1: right, they don't take visual chances. There are there are portions of this movie that feel visually very cheap to me, even for 2012 there, yeah. you know, there, there's stuff where there's a a, 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 somewhat emotional scene where it's, it's the Halle Berry, uh 1970 story and she's getting a tour or she's doing a, an article on the nuclear nuclear plant and, her and Tom Hanks are smoking a joint. He's like a scientist that works there, and he knows such and such about their the 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 evil plans surrounding this nuclear plant. Anyway, yep. um, the one of the most important things. What it's basically like her stating. You know, I think a a part of the theme, which is you can't. She says you can't not do what you can't not do, or you can. <laughs> I don't even know it's sort of it's sort of like it's sort of like uh you know he's the hero we want but not the one we need right now or the one we need but not the one we want or whatever it's just like it's basically saying that like when you're when you're met with a seemingly impossible choice you have to do the thing that you can't not do um which again what does that it doesn't mean anything but it it sort of means something um but anyway that's it's a very important scene (laughs) uh and confusing and you know to your point when the camera flips and we see that they're on this sort of catwalk and they're overlooking whatever it's like a sunset or something it's so obviously composited I think that's where this movie you know I don't like to get like super hung up on You know, the 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 use of like CGI today versus, you know, you you were comparing this to a David Lean epic. Of course, they didn't have those tools. So you get these incredible extreme wide shots in like Lawrence of Arabia that is just like, all right, dude, you're going to ride out two miles on that horse we'll call you on the walkie when to stop and we'll tell you when to start walking. It's going to take you about an hour to get from one end of the frame to the other. You know what I mean? They'd never do that shit. They just don't do that kind of stuff. You know, they don't need to. Um, and I think this is either a point in time where cinema was not ready to abandon, uh, things like that. Not that I think it ever should totally abandon, you know, trying to capture things in camera, this is where it doesn't feel like an epic to me. You know, when they flip the camera and I see two characters in an emotional moment standing in front of a green screen in a way that is obvious. Um, You know, the, I don't know. There's, there's other things too. Like, I I think, you know, some of the, the, you know, the spaceship, like the effects, uh, like, uh, you know, um, uh, Jim Sturgis, and the what is son me son that's your name yeah yeah when they're Sanmi, when they're escaping yeah. on the sort of like robotic uh plank or whatever that stretches between two buildings yeah nothing about that feels tangible to me um no so I don't know and the, and then also just like yes the way the way it's shot like I don't I want more if you're trying to establish six different, worlds and then have them sort of interconnect in a thematic way i feel like you need to really 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 establish those worlds and they did that i feel like the, it's, it's like they it's like they almost for me focused so much on character that the camera never leaves the characters if that makes sense oh, that's
0: a great point like yeah, but that's want, totally true
1: i want to like i, I anytime they you know they'd like reestablish. Uh, like the ship, the with uh, Mister Ewing and the the, the slave, yeah. and the evil Tom Hanks. It's like I don't know. I want to see. Maybe this movie's too short. Maybe they have to cut. Maybe they had to cut all that stuff out. And so you know, uh, you know, may, maybe there's. I've heard rumors of like a four to four and a half hour cut, which I cannot imagine yeah. sitting through. But it makes me wonder if. There is something, if there's a version of this movie that feel like it, it's breath. This movie needs breath. This movie, it doesn't breathe at all. It's just, and that's, and that's to my point earlier about, you know, the movie always feeling like it's beginning or ending. Uh, I think it's because the movie doesn't get to just be because there's so much they're attempting to cram into it.
0: All right. And what happens, you know, what is it? you know, eight years after this movie's released is every freaking auteur and their sister gets a Netflix series at our HBO max or whatever. I mean, this is like the project to do for a streaming project Absolutely. Where your, your episodes don't have to be a standard length. You can, you're the Wachowskis. You can command as many episodes as you want. I think sense eight was a little bit of a course correction. I think there may be an attempt to, to do something like that. Um, I haven't seen all of sense eight, but I think they were like, damn, if we had just made this movie six years later, we could have just made it a series. Uh, I think it wasn't a yeah. unique time where it's like they were still they still needed to make it this big blockbuster. Um, but the, the story just doesn't fit into that or whatever you want to call it. The the collection of stories just does not fit into that format uh, or at least maybe it does. But the way they did it is like not good
1: <laughs> yeah uh, uh, no i think i think that's a really good point i I had that thought as well the whole time i'm like as a tv show you know give me give me 10 right. give me 10 a, as a 10 hour tv show you've got i mean you, right. you've got me and the thing is too because- is it, it it kind of feels like tv right like Part, kind of looks like it. it. It looks, yeah. I mean, especially now that it's aged. But, like, I feel like this definitely feels like TV. And the other thing is, mm-hmm. is, you know, there is some there's some level of expectation for, that comes from, a, you know, a, a, the Wachowskis. We, they make, I mean, they make blockbusters. And mm-hmm. I know this is a blockbuster, but it does, it's missing... I mean, it's missing excitement. I think (laughs) all of the all of the so much of the energy in this movie comes from the sort of insane pace of the edit and Mm -hmm. the music telling me that I am supposed my heart is supposed to be beating outside my chest. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? and it's Absolutely. like and it's like yeah. and, and i found myself genuinely confused because i'm also trying to understand what the movie's trying to tell me and it's like in its dialogue um and i found that I, like I, I, I turned the subtitles on about halfway through because I was just like I did too. <laughs> I can't. I did too. I, can't, I don't. know. Am I getting old? I don't know. But I can't track anything, and especially when they jump to like the sort of pigeon, sure. the sort of pigeon speak that um, Tom Hanks is doing in in the his in the sort of post apocalyptic world, which is cool. Yeah. But I'm just like I don't know what the fuck anybody's saying. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I, true, man. So anyway, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it's. Oh really? Yeah yeah yeah. I didn't hate it. Um, I I I, I hated it. Okay. I thought it was. <laughs> well, it's interesting it because gross. because you didn't hate it when we last. Nope. So you've done a one. No, this
0: this ties back to uh, what I what I why I come to movies and I thought that's what this was. I thought it was a big oh, deep abstract. Big you know, I thought uh. You know, in 2012, when I saw it, I guess I was a different person or something. Because upon watching it again, you know, I, I thought this was going to enter my canon of just like misunderstood
1: oh, no. genius
0: movies you thought this, that have you this, thought this epic was, scope. This was you
1: thought this was Ang Lee's 2000- Hulk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other, whole other topic. I don't think I'll ever need to watch that movie again because I don't want to experience uh, <laughs> the uh, the inevitable um, the truth. Uh, uh, right the 180 that i'll probably turn on that movie but i thought this was gonna be my 2001 the you know revisited yeah and watching it is' just this like completely compressed totally nonsensical uh really rote and uh just very surface level kind of thing and it's uh right and the reason i focus so much in my criticism on maybe like the behind the scenes aspects of it is because it's like they just as people tried to do way too much and yes. they just stretch, they just stretch themselves and everybody involved like way too thin to the point where you're just, it feels like they barely got every shot. It's like every shot is the first take. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, no, there was like no planning. They're just like the, the storyboard allowed for like this single camera angle. And then we need to tear down and set up this. It's just like too complicated. Uh, and it was like kind of just too 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 much hubris, and they they too, ate themselves. Too much
1: too much hubris, and I think yeah, they're they're stretching their their actors too far. Um, and also, an interesting thing that I read is that the the actual the book um, doesn't it it basically reincarnation is just kind of a a thing that is hinted at. Um, right. And they took a much more literal approach. Um, Definitely. <laughs> Which, yeah, I don't know. I, I, part of me thinks that if this movie were, if the stories were even, if there was even less of an attempt to connect them, you know what I mean? If the, if the actors were, uh, like use different actors, but maybe give some sort of, I don't know, some sort of other visual through line, you know, whether it be a, 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 a a facial tick or, um, right. I don't know. It's like, I want to go even, even more vague, you know, I want to know even less. For sure. If, if that, well,
0: let me, yeah, you made a great point about there not being any breath. And when I think about the movies, the sort of contemplative abstract movies that I like, I think about 2001, there's like a, a six minute, 10 minute sequences with no dialogue, yes. you know, and there's like a, or like a David Lynch movie scenes will just go on for like twice as long as they should and that just and those two directors are, are like, you know, they're weird examples of directors. Not everybody does what they do, but I just mean that it's like they allow the audience to take a second to like process what's happening, <laughs> even if seemingly nothing is happening on screen or it's very repetitive. It, well, the, I
1: think you get a, You get a it, sense that you are. I think in sort of in their brains, I think that you also get a sense that they're experimenting with the. F- I mean, there's a lot. I feel like there is a a much greater dialogue happening between the audience and the director in cases like Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch, um, than purely what was in the script. You know what I mean? Like it's more sure. than just the story. I feel like it's a pe- it's a peek into who they are as people it's a peek into the uh the art of cinema and how malleable it is so yeah i don't know there's it's so it's so different than watching something like cloud atlas which feels like it's just struggling to tick the first box and connect with the yep. audience
0: well and i'll say right uh it's also comes off as just gross because Normally, I think you can excuse a lot of the blockbuster-y stuff about it that, um, you know, I don't mean to be judgmental and hoity-toity or whatever. I love blockbuster movies, but I guess what I'm getting at is that one of the central themes of the movie, at least spoken by a character in voiceover over and fucking over again, is that, like, connection with people, uh, seeing yourself in the other, uh, these kinds of experiences are the key to life. Mm-hmm. And here they've made a movie that is so impenetrable and so devoid of personality and you so don't have any idea of the people who made this. Even a David Lean movie which I think is almost like impenetrable on purpose like I I think David Lean was like I want this to stand on its own but you yeah, you know as a big as a big piece of artwork and uh <clears throat> you know nobody it's not personal, you know, but it is. You you feel like you know who David Lean is after watching this, like, awesome masterpiece. You feel like you know who David Lynch or Gary Marshall or any of these kind of, like, very idiosyncratic directors, who they are when you connect with their movies. And it's not for everybody. Some people are going to walk away feeling uh, very alienated. But I do feel that this movie was so concerned with telling us to connect with the Wachowskis they just spent, like, zero time allowing us to actually do that, you know? They you, were, like, it was, it was just so, like, on the surface. They just never let us have that deeper experience of of communicating with them through, like, this visual medium,
1: you know? You know what I think? I think this movie would have benefited from having six directors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just make it a, a, a true anthology kind of piece?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, 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 I like the idea... Of taking somebody's money and experimenting with it. Uh, I like the idea of, of 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 taking a real financial risk with something like this. But it's like if you're going to... if you, Because to me, this movie on paper is so... It's one of the more insane things to come out of Hollywood in the last... Not even the last 10 years, last 20 years. Like, it is bonkers to me because it seems so in especially in watching the movie it feels like they I don't know who you market this to I don't know who it's for sure I don't know who's paying to see this movie not just sure. in 2012 but in the last th- 3 decades I mean I don't I don't know who, I don't know who this is for at all mm-hmm. um So it it yeah, I don't know. It makes me it it excites me to kind of to see something so experimental. But it's again, you know, as I was kind of saying earlier, it's like if you're gonna get if you're gonna be weird, be really weird. You know? That's the
0: thing is, I don't think this is an experimental film. I don't either. This is an I extre- think it should have been. It's an extremely... Rich, absolutely. That's what I wanted. And that's kind of how it was marketed. Yeah. Like, can you believe Tom Hanks is being these six different characters and like, ooh, you'll be able to sit back and really think about like why he's portraying these different characters. But the movie as an experience just has like no room for that at all. It's so almost militaristic in its execution and not in a good way where it doesn't feel precise. It just feels more like we got to pump this out. We got to get this done. Yeah. And it's like, and you just right. need to watch it. And, like, and, and you're like, no, I, I don't want that. I want to like, I just want to relax and like be brought into your world and all that stuff that you love about movies. And they're like, no, we got to get the movie done. Like it's, it's so, uh, impatient. It's such impatient is a very movie.
1: good word for it. I like. To, I want to circle back more and talk more about the actors because I think, you know I was kind of talking earlier about how I think that they are a distraction I think sure you have things like you know like for instance Susan Sarandon Susan Sarandon big star uh everybody knows who Sur- Susan Sarandon is from the movie stepmom um <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm but she has I think two or three roles that I can think of in this movie she's not even in all six of them that I'm aware of and su- she's not. But I don't know. I don't know what her character means, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, because I think I'm also meant to think that these are that each actor playing the six characters. I think I'm also supposed to understand that all six of these characters, or however many, are connected in some way, because why else? They're, yeah. Because if you're going to strengthen the concept, uh, if you're going to take the book and say, okay, even though reincarnation is not a huge deal in this book let's double triple quadruple down on it by casting <laughs> sure. the same actors so at that point sure. the audience has no other choice than to think that these characters that these actors playing the same character that all these characters are the same character in some some maybe intangible sense right so yeah so i have a i have a real issue with that I think Tom Hanks shouldn't have played six people because none of, because those people other than, because that's the thing is like all of them are criminals except for, I think Tom Hanks in his fine in like the final, in his, uh, the post-apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how the two can, I don't know how they connect. I don't know. I don't know what it all means.
0: I think there are there supposed to be these archetypes. And, you know, I, I do appreciate that the, the one thing I, I kind of liked about the uh, cast. Actually, this has nothing to do with the casting. So, you know, it's beyond the point. I, I do think some of the characters were strong enough to survive this uh, six uh, arc thing. And I think Tom Hanks is one of the strongest, which is kind of this like redemption arc uh, where he starts. You see him as a real bottom feeder murderer. And by the end, he gives up his life for, uh, for the small girl to save her life. And, uh, and he'll take Halle Berry to the scary place and stuff. Like he's, he, he goes from completely self-interested to selflessness okay. and he like changes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, i, I buy it.
0: The, I buy it. and I do think the through line, he's one of the only examples I think, um, where the through line in the way he acts connects. I do also think he was the worst actor in the whole thing, by far. Yeah,
1: I think he. I think
0: his character, I think his character was just the kind of the best written. Had the most recognizable kind of archetype of a character, which is the redemption narrative. I
1: think they just. I think. um, I think you're right. I don't blame him. I think they put him in insane. Right. Uh, I mean the the characters that he's playing are are nuts the only one that feels like an actual person is the the post-apocalyptic version
0: i agree it's his uh what what is the castaway just kind of brought back his castaway character a little bit exactly
1: Um. exactly so and and also to that point you know taking they took they they took putting the 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 these actors into You know, forcing them into uh, characters that I think um, they were not right for. (laughs) I think Uh, Jim Jim Sturgis (laughs) and Hugo Weaving and Keith David uh, Uh forced into the makeup of uh, Korean people is one of the more horrifying things I've seen. Like Hugo Weaving as a as a Korean dude alone, but Jim Sturgis. like it's just like these weird right. plastic faced with men with these bowl cuts and terrible uh, eye prost. I mean, it was really I'll be haunted by that imagery. Um, it is rough. It's, hor- to look it's at. pretty horrific. It's really it's b- pretty it's horrific. Really bad, and it's and I'm and I'm not even getting into like the you know identity politics uh, or any right. of that stuff. It's, which is a whole discussion and, um, but, but to, 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 it's so painfully unnatural. And also the son, me, the, the, that actress, you know, she's, she's also Jim Sturgess's wife, uh, in his, with his story earlier in the, or the, uh, the, I think he's like, uh, the, the slaver, the slave ship guy, Yep, they make her into a, a white woman, and and it's like
0: they also she's also the Mexican woman who ends up killing yes. Hugo Weaving's character. Yes,
1: it's just like and that's it's sort of and I, that's where some of the I, I, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say like there's there's something in there about you know we're all this you know we kind of what you're saying about you know, um, you know accepting the other and you know sort of knowing that we're all. There is this interconnectivity between all of us, regardless of race. Yep. Yep. But it's like an attempt to – it's its the movie version of saying, I don't see color.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, man. It's so uh, – right. This is dicey t- territory for, for uh, two white guys to talk about. But, yes, this is – I think this is a total example of the kind of hubris I was talking about, yes. which is that they think this story – uh, and their their reasons for doing it are so justified that they can kind of gloss over this kind of uh, racial you know uh, bizarre bizarre attitude towards race And I, I may I may drop this in in the edit. Uh, we, we can cut uh, to be saying this, but Jim Sturgis does address this in a interview for the making of the movie really And his response is so, tentative and so so stricken with shame so this is after the movie came out this is yeah or it he's in his he's in a costume so I'm thinking this is maybe after he filmed his scenes as General Zhang and uh but yeah his uh his timidness around this answer is so funny I was nervous about playing a different race and whether that would be acceptable or not but that nervousness was overridden with excitement you know and and the challenge of of being able to do it but then i realized that in the world that we had created it was perfectly acceptable i i think that just what he says is just so like uh, such an example of uh of them not not really like respecting the audience not really bringing them into anything just being like no we're gonna do that we're gonna do this (laughs) this is just what we're gonna do and you know what I think that can work out super well because, like, I'm sure when David Lean made a guy walk across the desert for an hour so he could get one shot, he wasn't very popular. And it's not a very nice thing to do to a person. No. But it was, like, from as a, as a viewer, I'm almost, like, uh, appreciative of that actor. That shot is so amazing and so, like, iconic and transcendent and communicates so much mm-hmm. that I'm, like, I'm glad that guy did it. And I don't feel that way at all. About anybody dressing up as a Mexican person and getting called a racial <laughs> slur, like immediately, <laughs> it's just so like
1: uh, uh,
0: it's just so disrespectful. It just really makes me think like they're not cool people.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> that they. It is pretty wild. It's there's a. It's definitely hubris. I think it's very funny that uh, Jimster just uses the word justified. It's right. It's it's uh, because it just or it, pr- appropriate well right but it just it's it's so much of a it's less of like an explanation and more of a defense um yeah and i mean that if if you if you are having to defend an act uh i think that calls you know that can not always but it can call that act into question um to begin with um yeah I don't know. Anyway, that was, that was rough to look at, but that's not, that's, you know, just to get back to the makeup side of it, it just doesn't look good. It looks like shit.
0: No, it looks, that's what makes it offensive. Yeah. Is they, right? it's like, it's, it's like, and, it's,
1: it's like, it's like Rob Schneider in, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry 100%. with, with Chicklets for teeth playing a Chinese guy. I mean,
0: especially like, it's so bad that I'm like, are they an alien race? Right. But then that makes me racist <laughs> because they're supposed to be Korean, yes. And then I'm thinking they're aliens. And then there's a real Korean person in the movie, right? And I'm like, well, but she doesn't look like that. But they're like, well, yes, she does. Mm-hmm. They're both Korean, and she looks like that and they're because kind of, this person looks like that, and they're the same. And they're matching and like, her what? like
1: they're matching her Korean accent, but you can tell that it's put on. Ah, oh, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel right. Um, yeah, I think that that stuff's really rough. I think most of the makeup effects we could actually get into this because you said that we should do go through like bests and worsts um i didn't have
0: some bests and worsts here that's
1: great okay let's let's get into that because i think uh i think that's worth talking about um oh yeah okay we'll let you go first let's start so the first the first start with makeup well the first one is worst accent is what i have here yeah who do you feel have the worst accent
0: boy oh you know what i can't say this because i realized after watching it that it was supposed to be a bad accent which just even makes this more of a clusterfuck but uh, originally my thing was hankss the worst accent was hanks when he was portraying cavendish in a (laughs) filmed version of cavendish's story that son me watches and then adopts his catchphrase yeah uh but then but now i'm realizing that's supposed to be like a trite kind of um, uh, sentimental movie that somehow made it to Sanmi and that actually makes it even more deep because she's grabbing this kind of sentimental line and using it to launch an entire religion. Right. But, uh, so, but that, and, and in that line, Hanks is supposed to have a bad accent because he's supposed to be playing a sentimental character. Uh, but otherwise it's still Tom Hanks and it is definitely going to be, the uh Hawaii stuff the future the the post-apocalyptic okay. uh made-up accent that um interesting is somehow even even more annoying than uh, people trying to do accents of
1: other races Wow okay cool um for my worst accent I'm gonna go um, I'm gonna go Hugo weaving as the Korean uh sure i don't know uh executioner <laughs> or whatever the fuck yeah i thought that was pretty bad i thought his sort of like his attempt was so they were all they all felt like caricatures but i thought his was and he's a great actor too so i felt like yeah his yeah. his was the most like a caricature um yeah okay uh best accent
0: I'm going to go with Hugo Weaving as uh, Old Georgie in the same uh, timeline where he's the uh, the uh, the the Satan character in the uh, post apocalyptic oh, world. Oh yeah. I thought he sounded pretty cool. <laughs> That's all I got. That was kind of, <laughs> he you just know, what? sounded kind of cool.
1: It was so funny to me because that like that character design which I love to watch and I liked all the, I liked the shots of like him out of focus just right behind tom hanks or whatever just like ear. Sure. i thought that I, stuff i remember that ruled it was very cool looking but his character design is like it's good like i like it but it like it looks like it's from like a low budget horror movie yeah it doesn't, or like
0: disney or something right it's, just,
1: it's yeah exactly it, it does not even look it, another thing that doesn't look like it belongs in this movie um which nothing feels like it belongs together so yeah um <laughs> right Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go with... um, Best accent, man.
0: There's a lot of them.
1: I know. I don't want to... I mean, I don't want to... I'm going to go with... You know what? I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to go with uh, Tom Hanks in the... Hawaii post apocalyptic stuff.
0: That was your favorite.
1: I think it's the I think it's the best because A. And what, what like why? Wh- here's why. It's kind of winning by default. Um okay. <laughs> I can't pick one of the people who is just using their actual accent. Like I can't I can't use Jim Broadbent cuz like that's, yeah. that's how he speaks. Yeah yeah yeah. I can't use any of the actors putting on an accent because I don't think any of them did really all that great of a job. And the accent that Tom Hanks is doing in the post-apocalyptic story is fake. So for all I know, it's the best accent in the movie because because it's made up. Uh, So he wins. All right, here we go. Worst makeup.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. This is another small part, but it was the time where I was like, you guys are seriously not even trying. Mm-hmm. And that was when Hugh Grant played Jim Broadbrint's older brother in a sort of Michael Caine get So Kane bad, gap.
1: so bad. And
0: my God, he looked so horrific.
1: <laughs> it's really bad.
0: He looked, and this is a movie where like every other shot, the worst makeup you've ever seen just appears in front of you. And that, Mm -hmm. I think that was because it was earlier in the movie where I hadn't, we hadn't seen the yellow face yet. We hadn't seen, uh, the gender swapping attempts. Uh, that was just like, hit me with so much of like, Oh no, the rest of this movie is going to be horrible (laughs) because he, him attempting to look like an old guy, is like the most grotesque thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Um, that was horrible. I agree. I think I would pick that one also, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let it tie with old lady Halle Berry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really Oh yeah. I thought that was really Good bad. Call. Uh Best makeup. Yeah. Best makeup.
0: Uh oh that's that's an easy one. It's also Hugh Grant. Yep. And yep. uh he's the when he's the cannibal chief.
1: Yep. Damn. That's exactly what I was gonna un- say. He
0: was Truly unrecognizable. That was amazing. He
1: was great. He was terrifying. I thought those, all those, all those characters looked very cool in like a, a like a Mad Max way, but like even more, yeah, even more vibrant, right, and menacing, right, like barely even human. Um, yeah, I liked that. Um, ooh, worst line. What do we got?
0: Oh yeah. So I actually I don't. So yeah, I know I don't expect you to get this one because I was actually sitting there writing down stuff. That was insane to me. There was a lot of it. Um, what is, I think, the worst line? It It's hard to really drive this home out of context because part of this is like, um, you're just watching this nonsensical movie and then someone will try to say something that sort of wraps it up, that sort of says, like, here's the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the first time they do that is when uh, Ben Wishaw, who, again, is supposed to kind of be this, like, up his own ass kind of dandy person, uh, when he's a Frobisher, but he says, uh, this world spins in the same unseen forces that twist our hearts. Oh dear God. Just like,
1: That's so bad.
0: What the, f- what in the living fuck does that mean? The world spins in the same unseen forces that twist our hearts. I don't get it. It is trying to be deep, just like this whole damn movie. And you just gloss right over it. It has no impact. And you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Yeah, it sort of feels like when a um, when you ask a politician something at like a a, a debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I will say uh, the the line that I cited earlier that I couldn't even get right um, about you you can't not do what you or you have to do what you can't not do.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just like it is pretty much that yeah, yeah. There's some, <laughs> that's how i remember it too
1: it's so interesting how <laughs> lines can be so dependent on uh delivery in order to convey a false sense of understanding what they mean
0: well like who's the master of that tom cruise you yes. know he'll say things like you complete me and you're like you believe it jesus that's right she really does
1: um yep i agree um
0: And I, and also I can't believe Tom Cruise wasn't part of this movie. How did they not get him into this? This seems like the kind of thing he would go for Mm -hmm. huge. I bet, I bet they asked him.
1: (laughs) Uh, okay. Best storyline.
0: Uh, it's the future, the post-apocalyptic one. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: that, I think so too. I think
0: just the most clear.
1: I think I liked the, uh, the cyberpunk one. Just because I felt like I got mm-hmm. some better sense of that world, well, I got a good sense of the post pop. Both of those worked pretty well together, I thought. Um, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie it. I'm gonna say both of those. Although I also kind of liked parts of Ben Wishaw's story with uh, Jim Broadbent as the composer. Like it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I, I especially like that scene where he's trying to convey. Uh, a tune in his head and the tune he conveys is like just shit and then he creates something good out of it yeah there's something cool in there about process and also the way people um you know kind of the way sometimes uh, you know talent i don't know something about talent and uh and your your reputation and and your uh you know your 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 arrogance and all that anyway i'm rambling now but uh yeah i liked i liked that stuff all right worst storyline
0: i i uh i'm opposite you i think the worst storyline was the uh me was the uh the the neo-soul storyline and uh <clears throat> that's because that's where the movie got the most uh what is it just like straight up just saying what the theme is kind of stuff sure. with her monologues. Sure. Uh, I think that's fair. There was the, there was the uh, rampant yellow face. There was the um, lines like you have to do or you can't not do or whatever. <laughs> I mean, there was just uh and I thought that it was the most lazy uh, vision of the future um, that they could conjure. It was just like Blade Runner with some kind of like uh what's, what's maze marathon man where the whole world is controlled by brands or whatever
1: no. or uh, marathon man is the top... a dustin hoffman movie but no it's a uh... are you, oh yeah, you're it's thinking it's like of a you're thinking the demolition man oh the demolition man yes sure
0: where it's like the burger king wars or whatever <laughs> the, so they
1: just kind of the franchise th- wars
0: through some right yeah. <laughs> they threw some demolition man kind of like ba- barely commentary on consumerism so, such light commentary on consumers that they just say the word consumer over and over again. Uh, uh yeah, that's what so I point. thought. That was just like gross and annoying and, uh, try to get too deeply philosophical and it just was, it uh, was, uh, and lazy.
1: I thought, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I thought the nuclear power plant story with Halle Berry was just, yeah. it's so just like beige to me. Uh, in its well, and it's really confusing. It is the, confu- the like, it is confusing, yeah. Because
0: they're trying to throw a a mystery thriller, a like seventies psychological, yeah. political yeah. sort of corporate espionage thriller, which like are pretty known for being like kind of obtuse and kind of hard to follow, yeah into an already hard to follow movie. It's like, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's like, just like exactly. too much.
1: It's like all the, all the, it's all the president's men without the scenes of right. them just like calling people for 15 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
0: They just cut all those out and it's just when they're driving in cars yeah, real fast exactly. and shooting each other.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, so, yeah, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for the story on the slave ship. I thought that was, I, I, again, I like, why, I don't know. Why is this here? I feel like if you took yeah like three of these stories, <laughs> And expounded upon them, and you know, basically wrote them out more. Uh, yeah, I think you've got a better movie. Um,
0: well, a little, a little bit of trivia here is the Wachowskis directed the 19th century and the two future ones, and then Tom Tykwer directed the 30s, the 70s, and the 2012 broadbent stuff. Uh, interesting. So I think I think you walked away liking the Wachowski's, Wachowski's version, version of this movie a little more.
1: That's the thing. Cause they
0: really were, they really did operate independently. They, they, I mean, they obviously all three of them sat and wrote the movie, but like they did go all make three different movies and edit it together. You know, interesting. It's uh it's really like, it is a shared vision or whatever between the three, but um, I, I will say to its credit, I guess I, I wouldn't have been able to tell that except for like the action sequences Um, yeah. Like some, like some of the action sequences are very clearly Wachowski. Um, but, uh, I I guess to its credit, I mean, but that's kind of points back to the problem of this movie, just kind of being flat and beige and running together and having no distinct personality whatsoever. So if you do that, then you'll never be able to tell who's making the movie. You know,
1: I do want to say one thing about the action scenes, because this is something that I care about. Um, the Wachowski's obviously, extremely well-known for uh, their visuals, uh, specifically in the Matrix. And although there were, like, a couple of action beats where I was like, okay, that's kind of cool-looking, but nothing was inspired. There was no... right? And I felt the same way about, like, Jupiter Ascending, where it's just, like, it's really too Ooh. bad, where it's, like, I feel like these these people who were so... Uh, like such visual masters have kind of forgotten how to or maybe they just haven't had any inspiration maybe they just you know the matrix worked because they liked anime uh, i don't know but there's something i don't know there was something Well but and, and
0: only one of only one of those movies worked you know the other I think two in a sto- were, I think
1: in a sto- were, I think story wise you're right but i think like i mean you've got there are things in all of those movies i think that uh if you were to strip the story back you would you would still there's still even though the second two mo- the second two movies are obviously uh cannibalizing the first movie and just upping the ante I mean you've got mm-hmm. scenes like neo flying and just like a tidal wave of wave of like cars and debris just exploding behind him just very very cool stuff um you know the way the the when he kind of like lifts off and like the the sort of world ripples i think that's very very cool mm-hmm. uh the the freeway chase in the second movie is
0: that's pretty that's good uh, even
1: even even the right. even the the fight between smith and neo that goes on for like 45 minutes at the end and it's raining and whenever they hit each other the, the it sends a shockwave that that makes the rain like basically defy gravity and go the opposite way and you've got these like sort of like impact bubbles in midair so there's stuff like that that's i think i think very cool uh again i'm not talking about the story or anything um i think this i think that the matrix obviously the sequels have trouble um you know expounding too much upon the things that the matrix the original matrix were just sort of hinting at um yeah but I do think that they their their visual senses are very, uh, just firing on all cylinders in the Matrix trilogy, mm-hmm. and then in a very different way with the Speed Racer movie, and then you watch Cloud Atlas, which is I think their next movie after this after it Speed is. Racer, yeah. and it's yeah, and it's, I the, the, the I don't want to see a movie with the Wachowski's name on it that is about a 17th century or 18th century slave ship. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't think it's in their wheelhouse. Uh, and I know they didn't direct those sections, but they're guilty by association. No, they did. Oh, they did. Okay.
0: (laughs) That that was one of the ones they did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not,
1: (laughs) I'm not interested in that. I don't think they're good at it. Uh, and I don't think they should do it. Now that said, Jupiter ascending comes out after this and, I don't think they're good at that either. So I don't know. I don't know what that means for them. But uh, sure, it hasn't been working. And just
0: to make it to make it slightly more depressing, I mean, for Resurrections, uh, the author of Cloud Atlas co-wrote the movie with them. <laughs> so oh no, there's. <laughs> And when I thumb, when I just kind of skimmed through that book, you know, not to lay so much blame on the Wachowskis, there is a lot of that just like preaching in the book too. Oh it's boy. just like people just saying their worldviews and stuff with like, as if it's a uh, a ninth grade uh, uh, philosophical well, text.
1: You know, the the Matrix <laughs> trilogies are uh, trilogies kind of like that too, where it's like, how many more ways can you tell me that Neo is Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way,
0: which is why. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, I think they are, I think they create, I think what they do, and for the record, I like the Matrix sequels uh, for sort of the same reasons why I don't like this movie. Um, sure. But I think, I think what they do, I think they're not smart enough. I think they are trying to create material that is so vast and so it's supposed to be like some next level of human consciousness or something because i think about how complex the mythology gets in the matrix sequels and it's mm-hmm. it's all supposed to mean something very very profound but it's also very hard to follow you know i'm just I, mm-hmm. i'm just thinking you've got you know you in this in this in the first sequel alone they introduce you know like the architect and the keymaker and all these other characters and program and they're pro- they're also computer programs. And it's sort of like, it's a cool idea for a world, but I can't follow it. And I kind of wonder if you can.
0: You know, my brother's a computer programmer, and I work with programmers all day long. And that is the kind of story that they like. I don't know if you've read Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, who inspired a lot of that movie. No. Uh, the, but a lot of that kind of language does also come from him. And it's these kind of like engineer types who are, uh, really good at math, super, 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 super smart, but there's something about their delivery that sometimes leaves it too technical to really hit emotionally, uh, that there, that by literally just calling a character, the architect, and that is actually what he does in the movie (laughs) is like, so, uh, so in your face that you're, you almost are like, it's confusing, but to them, they're trying to clarify it by calling a character, the architect.
1: Yeah. That's a really they're good point. They're trying
0: to, they're trying to make it clear, but everybody else is just more confused. And my analogy for the Wachowskis that I just came up with while you were talking, cause you know, I don't listen, but, uh, <laughs> is it's like they're, they're like a broken blender. So you try and make a good, uh, a fruit, uh, smoothie, and they take the ingredients, they take the pineapple and the mango and the chia seeds and the coconut milk, and they all put it in the blender and they just pulse it a little bit and then pour it back into the cup. And then when you drink it, your experience is like, I'm chewing on pineapple. The chia seeds just went down my throat. I can taste the, uh, the kale Yeah. when a good like smoothie is you're just kind of like drinking this essence of health <laughs> you know a good yeah. expensive smoothie is like there's time and there's care in incorporating all of these ingredients to become a new thing yeah. that you experience as a new experience and i feel like what they do is they just throw the raw ingredients at you and they're like well you figure you know it makes sense to us like you figure it out and in a way but I then, think, a lot but then of you're also saying be...
1: that they're they're it's like they're but you're also saying that they're over-explaining things. So they're doing that's what I'm saying. Is they're they're like, doing, but they're doing here's... kind of both. It's sort of like we're that's we're we're throwing we're throwing these huge huge concepts, which actually aren't that huge, but we think they're super huge because they're so broad, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's you know like some philosophy 101 class or something. Um, right. I say that as somebody who never took philosophy 101 by the way. Um, but, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I think it's fine too. Um but there's yeah, there's something about that. It's it's I think it's uh I think it's kind of like a Nolan thing, you know. Um, I was
0: going to bring him up too. They're very similar in that they're their sp- specific brand of braininess. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's right.
1: and it's, it's 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 they think it's bigger than cinema could possibly uh, you know, convey, but they're going to try their damnedest anyway, but it's not. Right.
0: And, and no. And that, that's, what's like kind of, kind of brought me back to like these big tentpole movies like this that are like so ambitious. Uh, and cause Nolan is also super ambitious. Tenant is extremely ambitious. Yeah. Uh, and this movie is extremely ambitious and I love to watch somebody actually finish something that ambitious. Yeah. Uh, but what, I, but I realize as an, as a person who just wants to experience like a piece of art, like, uh, I don't walk away with that experience. I walk away with like, well, I watched someone do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I agree. Well, they did, they did it. Uh, and, and that is a bit of a failing on me to not like, uh, i don't know know, dude it it, it is and it isn't
1: you know what i mean like i i understand why somebody who is exhausted by the state of cinema why they would want to go see this and why they would want to cherish the feeling of having watched somebody try something that no one else is trying right now as opposed to walking out feeling of a marvel movie feeling you know 75 percent satiated you know what i mean so I, yeah. I, I understand. That's <laughs> a good point. I understand, I, I understand that feeling. And sometimes I can even, you know, sometimes I relate to it. Um, and it really, it just, I think it just depends, but so I'm, I'm grateful that we live in a world where things like tenant and cloud Atlas exist, uh, that they have, that they even, that they have, that they have, or have ever had the, the space to exist. I'm amazed that. Sure. That tenant exists. Um, it's, I mean, it's almost incomprehensible, um, and yet Warner Brothers had no problem giving him two hundred million dollars to make it. I appreciate that. I'd rather them just be good, though.
0: Absolutely, and it's kind of a, uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to get too alarmist or anything, but it's like people complain about how all movies are just like these big continuations of existing properties mm-hmm. and stuff, and they're like, there's no ingenuity. There's no, there's no original ideas. And, uh, to Hollywood's credit, <clears throat> uh, there's a couple people out there, a couple, you know, big auteurs from back in you know, who kind of operate in this old school attitude who are like, give us $200 million. We will show you, uh, the, 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 the future of the medium we will do. And then they're like, okay, great. We'll go do it. Then they go do it. And it's just like, uh, completely does not connect with anybody.
1: Right. Except them, I guess. And I think, I, yeah, or I, I wonder if it's, other... it's like a, it's a it's a reaction, you know? I wonder if like, I'm a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. I don't find his movie sleepy and I feel like I have to yeah. say that uh, because I'm acknowledging that <laughs> people do find his movie sleepy. Now, also, I say that sure. with a little asterisk next to it because the second time I saw Blade Runner 2049, 2049 and the second time I saw Arrival, which was with you, I fell asleep. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> I I love that man. I love his movies. However, there is something that feels well, two things. One, Blade Runner and Dune, both IPs. Um Yeah, right. So even 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 a director like that is getting sucked into having to do, you know, uh previously established properties. But it feels like When I watch his movies, which are all mostly pretty high concept at this point and mostly science fiction, they feel like such a contrast to everything else being made. You know, I feel like he's there's times where I'm watching his movies and I think he's holding this shot for such a long time to to prove that he can, you know. I, I totally agree uh <laughs> yeah yeah so I uh, yeah it's it's not it's not a problem for me but it's like it's it's interesting to me that you you know you have these couple of outliers who are just so adamant about not doing the thing that's being done and I think it's you know you think about tenant and you think about um you know I genuinely think Christopher Nolan is trying to achieve some sort of, form outside his human one by by pushing the boundaries (laughs) of of (laughs) of audio in movies but it's like and i appreciate it i think i think he thinks it's like he's but he's doing two things at once he's he's giving me information that is clearly critical and he's also telling me it's not important at the same time And I don't know what any I don't know what Mm -hmm. I don't think he's saying. So I don't think he's saying anything, but I I appreciate that he he wants to say something, but he's he's not doing it. I don't think. Um, But it seems it feels like he is he is pushing, you know, his sound mixes into a place that is just it's it's different than anything else you've seen, you know. And but then you watch something like Dunkirk where it's like. It's a movie with they shot with they had no script. They just he had like a 15-page outline and that's the movie. The only real written dialogue in that movie is a a brief monologue from Kenneth Branagh. Um and that movie does play with s- and you can't hear him. And you can't hear him right. And they do you know, so there's there's situations where it can kind of work, but anyway, all that to say is that you know, you've it's it's interesting to me that you've got kind of you know, directors who are getting sucked into producers' movies and then Other directors, a a very few directors who I feel like they think they're sort of holding the line and that the way to do that is to make sure that they're not doing anything like what all these other sort of like shamelessly, uh, you know, uh, crassly capitalistic uh, studios are doing to uh, to create just like pure crowd pleasing garbage or whatever. Like it's
0: absolutely it. It's, it's, it's like we're, this time is just over. There used to be a nice corollary where film nerds, whatever, you know, like us who grew up like, oh, I appreciate cinema and all that kind of uh, hoity toity stuff. And blockbusters like crossed over amazingly, you know, where it was like the most popular movie was also considered this huge critical, you know, was a huge, uh, was a huge critical success and is still revered 50 years later, you know. Uh, and that time I just don't think happens quite as much. Um, even with somebody who I like, like Jordan Peele, there's just kind of this, and this movie and Christopher Nolan, there's just this kind of self-awareness that the blockbuster is, is done. That the blockbuster is like, uh, is like an art form or something is just, it, is no longer needed. And they're, uh, they're just trying to like squeeze blood out of a stone a little bit. Well, it's because it's it's because
1: they've been, they've been able to make increasingly more amounts of money. So it's like, we know it's, we know it's done because it's a soulless, you know, husk of what it once was. And I say that, they're making a lot, but I mean, honestly, the pandemic is the thing that might actually expose this, you know, is the fat is when it, when it stops making money and people actually, people have to, you know, I, 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 I like a lot of the movies that were, talking about right now um but you know i look at like i look at like black panther getting nominated for an oscar and i can't help but think that the amount of money that it made was part of its somewhere buried <laughs> inside of its oscar campaign because it's an insane it's even even for a, a an organization as corrupt and and uh you know devoid of any you know meaning as the Oscars it feels like uh yeah it feels like a a sort of you know um a a a, a sort of rallying call or or a a a cry to 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 say like oh look these movies are important and they have something to say Mm -hmm. so anyway i don't know um we're kind of we're kind of rambling now um but uh
0: no, I think it's super critical to why this movie exists. I think this is the reason that I find it interesting now is not so much for an emotional experience. It's not deep. I don't get anything in my soul when I watch it. It's more like interesting in the sort of meta commentary about movies as like, why does this crazy yeah. uh, movie where everybody's in yellow face exist? And <laughs> why did they spend $145 million on it? You know, yeah. and it's like uh, it's like a curio or
1: like a stunt.
0: <laughs> it's Absolutely. kind of like watching somebody base jump or something
1: like watching somebody base jump i like that that's good um cool well do you have any other notes
0: oh no no i uh i feel like i got everything i wanted to say how about you
1: i feel good you, oh, f- yeah. you feel like we finally completed this task after talking about it for like three years four years
0: yeah i, w- I will say that <laughs> Talking about it, like I definitely expected to have uh, the opposite experience that I had, but I have to be honest, uh, I did not walk away with the profundity that I thought I was going to get out of this. And so I definitely thought going into this, I was going to be convincing you why this movie was good. uh, It should be considered great in watching it again. Uh, maybe it's cause I was sitting on a laptop or whatever, uh, with the subtitles or I didn't get the cinematic experience. Like maybe they intended. No, but, uh, nope, good. nope. I felt like walking Ray. It's a, uh, it's a bunch of garbage.
1: Uh, yep. Yeah, this is a bad so- movie. Um, it has, it it is a, a bad movie that tries to let you know that it is important every 30 <laughs> seconds Yeah, for three fucking hours. <laughs> um it's really long so that is yeah. that is unfortunate um <laughs> uh but i would encourage people to watch the matrix i would encourage people to watch run lola run and then um not this movie
0: yeah they just have a dream where like those two movies happen at the same time there you and go. Then that's,
1: well, that's that's what yes, this movie should have been there you go oh, yeah that's good um okay cool well uh i guess we could wrap it up um thank you yeah we don't
0: have we don't have mike to really uh
1: don't have him and come we don't in with his... we don't have him and we don't need him i don't even think we need him you mention... know what you're so right and y- i you know what What?
0: we need to cut this out i, I agree. i'm so sorry or you can just you can just bleep when i say his name. name that's a good idea yeah and then uh no one will have any idea who we're talking about because you're doing a fantastic job and we don't thank need you. that guy
1: thank you dude um i really appreciate that um i didn't really do a lot of prep for this because i didn't need to um but I'm glad to uh, be validated. So thank you. Um, cool. <laughs> well, uh, I guess I would say thank you for uh, taking this opportunity to watch a very long movie and talk about it. Um, thank you for replacing Kit and Mike. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, anytime.
1: And um, yeah, if, you, if anybody has any questions or comments, um, they can reach out to us at slowmotion triple at gmail.com and uh a thank you to you lee you do all of our uh audio engineering um which we appreciate and uh we will be back with our regularly uh scheduled content next week